Green Eggs and Ham, the number one sales book on the planet, best sales book ever. He had this product. He knew the prospect was actually going to like it. So just you just got to try it. All you got to do is try it. And over and over again, he heard no, but he kept a great attitude. And once you try it, and what does it say at the end of the book? Thank you. Thank you. Sam, I am. I do so like Green Eggs and Ham. Top leaders, meaningful conversation, actionable advice, bulldoze complacency, ignite inspiration, create impact. Produced by Southwestern Family of Companies. This is the Action Catalyst. Are you ready to take your sales skills to new heights? From elite-level sales and leadership coach Dave Brown comes Servant Selling, the groundbreaking book that will revolutionize your approach to sales. How do you view yourself as a salesperson? Do you feel like you're talking people into things? Are you afraid of seeming manipulative? Do you worry you're bothering your customers? It doesn't have to be this way. Servant Selling is the way to closing more deals and having greater satisfaction doing it. I want it to be a different way of selling, to sell with your prospects' needs and their wants and desires first. It's honoring the person on the other side of the interaction. In Servant Selling, learn the value of vision, the science of your approach, and how to build rapport and identify needs quickly. Servant Selling isn't a mental trick, a closing technique, or a negotiation strategy. It's a better, honest, proven sales approach that will have you closing more deals by giving your customers exactly what they need. You want to see where people really come alive, just ask them what they're passionate about. That's when you're doing it the right way. That's whenever I'm most fulfilled. Whenever I'm actually thinking of their needs, you are fulfilled. You are wanting more for them. And it gets addictive. Dave Brown has trained hundreds of thousands of sales professionals across the globe by adopting the servant selling mindset. Put it to work for you. Whenever you're truly thinking about that other person, now we're building something beautiful. Learn more and order today at ServantSelling.com. Hello, Action Catalyst listeners. This is your host, Adam Outland. And today we are interviewing Dave Brown. Dave is a speaker, executive coach, founding partner of Southwestern Consulting, and now author so happy to have you on the podcast. Uh, it has been years since you've been here. I think 2017 is when you were last on the Action Catalyst. Life has changed. It has quite a bit. I have the pleasure of working with Dave at Southwestern Consulting. We have a wonderful standing relationship. So we're going to have a, a fun, fun conversation today. But while you've been on this podcast before and the focus of that episode was really based on your background, life, and how you got to where you are. This episode is going to be a lot more about what you've done since and the publishing of your latest book. And that book is Servant Selling. That might be a good place to start, Dave. Like, why Servant Selling? Why write a book on it? How long have you been thinking about this? Yeah, man. Uh, first, the term came about, like, we started the company a long time ago, this consulting thing. And it was one of our team meetings that we had. We did a team meeting every week on Friday. And I had a killer week. It was awesome. And I just said it. In a team meeting, I was like, yeah, I was just kind of trying to be like a servant type of salesperson. And it just became so much more like this ideology, kind of methodology, philosophical. That's what I want it to be. I want it to be a different way of selling, to sell with uh, your prospects' needs and their wants and desires first. And I think it captures just the servant selling idea. Just even those two words captures how Southwestern has been doing it for 160 whatever years it is now. You've been with the family of companies practically your whole 
working business life since 18 years old. Is that right? Uh, 19. I was 19 whenever, whenever, right whenever I started. I, I did work with, you know, Chili's before that. I was the guy with 48 pieces of flair. Just to be clear. <laughs> that explains so much. Um, that's great. So servant leadership, how did you evolve that principle? I start the book with this, right? It's a story about a family that I met in 2003. And I didn't feel the best after that interaction. I remember leaving some things out, not being as forthright as I would have liked to be in the selling scenario. And I remember it leaving me a little empty. I actually, and, and nobody would know. Nobody would know. I didn't straight up lie to anybody or, but I just felt it. I felt that I should have just been a little more real about the product or about whatever. And I, I remember after that, I couldn't stop thinking about it, Adam. And I just made a decision. I, and I remember very clearly like going, I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to sell the right way, not leaving anything out, not ever wanting to have this feeling again, right? This ickiness that I had just picked up. And I remember going, well, is that going to compromise me being really good at sales? Because it's, you know, it's been said that in the, if, and I don't like it at all, but you know, out there, this connotation to salespeople is not the best. And they're trying to look after themselves and what they want versus what their prospects and the people they talk to want. And I'm not going to do it that way. And then I was scared I was going to not be a top producer. And it was kind of cool because it's like this feeling that, no, do both, do both. Mm -hmm. That's it. And the model inside of the consulting company of presenting one-on-one -on -one coaching to offices, going on and bringing that concept of sales development on a one-on-one -on -one basis. I learned uh, a lot of that um, from you. Uh -huh. Tell the world. Yeah, I've learned everything I know from you, Dave. There it is. Now, recorded history. But what I, I remember is people have a negative connotation of sales. And when you go in to provide the idea of coaching on sales, uh, one of the things that, that we often have to overcome in people's own mind is this preconceived notion, even that salespeople themselves have about themselves. Like they try to avoid being a salesperson. I love picking up on some of those undercurrents, right? With people like speaking all over the place and talking about it and writing about it. And, and just like you said, working with the people that I get to work with, leaders and all the coaches that we have, you can feel whenever people feel that way. And man, I think sales is the most prestigious, honorable profession on the planet. I mean, there's only two ways to make money in this world. You either sell something you own or you sell something. That's it. You sell part of what you own or you actually are the one doing the selling. I think it's awesome. I mean, every image, man, woman, any organization through history that's done anything that matters at all was a massive sales pitch. And if you don't believe it, just start looking around, like start reading about it and how they had to convince and move people to action and, and cover doubts, right? Like work through with dealing with doubts and fears and all this stuff that comes up in just normal, natural life. Like think about where you naturally do this in your life with your family. Where are you selling with your daughter? You know, what conversations are you having with your friends where you're making them come to life or you're actually having to work them through something that's they're struggling in their life? That is a sale right there. Like why do we complicate this thing? I think we got to, you know, have so much to learn. You do this naturally. Sales is a natural thing. Stop fighting your beliefs on it because of what somebody said about it or like, oh, it's a, it's a negative deal. It's not. It's a beautiful thing and embrace it. Yeah, man. It's just, we all do it. Just, you just got to love on yourself for doing it and be excited that you are doing it because that's the only thing that's going to help anybody change, including yourself. I think, you know, you can learn all these strategies and techniques to how to sell more effectively. 
But if your mind is focused on what's in the transaction for me, the strategies end up falling short and you end up turning into the stereotype of what you have in your mind, right? Like that's the blockage. But if your mind is focused on what's in service to the client, then you bring to life the strategies become a a useful tool to help people get out of their own way. Selling gets its bad reputation because of the people who take the approach of what's in it for me. Absolutely, man. You got it. It's and you want to see where people really come alive. Just ask them what they're passionate about. Ask them where, you know, where they where they made a stand for something that they believed was right in this world and then ask them to talk about it. And then you have them related it. I go, okay, well, that, you know, look what you just did right there. How you spoke about it. I, but that is the true sale. Like that's when you're doing it the right way. And you're trying to pick up these one-liners or this closing technique that's going to, you know, come on, none of that craps. Can people do that? And yeah, people done it for a long dang time. And that's not what I want to be the the disciple of. Yeah. And the one thing that I also wanted to talk about, like we zoom out from the book for a second from the, the content of the book. But I also just wanted to ask you about writing it. We had an author on, uh, Dean Koontz, who's totally different field of writing, right? He publishes way better than I am, like way better. So I, I, I love asking this question, which is the process of actually putting this together for you. Um, it's been in your mind. Obviously, you gave an example of how long you've been thinking about this principle. What's been some of the challenges of getting this consolidated on paper? Like what's been the process that you've had to go through? I mean, a lot of... Am I worthy? Am I the person? Am I the person to tell the story? So a lot of that up front. Uh, and then just the team, man. I mean, it takes a village, right? We hear that with kids. And when you start having kids, you really realize how true that is. And same thing with a book. I mean, it's like a kid. I, I needed the people to help get this stuff out of me. And I remember going to one of my content editors and I was like, dude, it puts my heart into these stories. And I'm like, dude, this and that. It's stuff I've told from the stage for years. And then, you know, like a quick email back. That's not good enough. You need to do better. <laughs> That's like my signature story, brah. Like that is that what are you talking like? Like I'm down. Like I don't even know where to go. I got nothing else. Just them pulling out the, the best that's in you. You know, one of my favorite quotes is exploiting your u- uniqueness in service to others. And like, what is your uniqueness, Dave? Like, what is it? Put your stuff on this. And then so, yeah, just a team making you better and putting it on paper. And then it was so it was a lot, man. But I really enjoyed it. I mean, all of these things are things you're good at, but you can say that again for the, yeah, I'll repeat that. Uh, you're good at that. Chapter three, the power of persistence. For listeners, I mean, if, if you just pull a little bit of some of the, the anecdotes from the book on persistence, like what are a couple of things that you would share with people that are in the sales game right now about the mindset around persistence and how to deal with no? Yeah, it's persistence is a unique characteristic, character trait in humans because you don't get a chance to truly work on it unless you're being rejected. So you need to, there's no way you can just go, I am going to go get better persistence today. It's like, no, go fail. <laughs> That's whenever you're getting better at it. So it's not like you can go get a workout in on persistence. It was uh, an understanding that if I got more no's than anybody else, I was going to win. And I didn't have the best numbers, Adam. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't this closer that that had this, you know, I closed 80% of the people I talked to. And there's people that are out there that are way better than I am with that kind of stuff. I didn't. I had about the same ratios as any as any average person in any one of our business, like anything I've ever participated in. I just knew that I could go see more people. And I just knew that I could make this principle of you see more, you sell more a reality and prove it. I mean, come on, you can't go work on the skill set right overnight, but overnight you can go see two times the people that you saw yesterday. We all can do that. 
I love that we all have access to this. And um, there's a book back there. Can you see it? It's my, it's the number one sales book on the planet. It's something that anytime anybody asks for a book recommendation, I say, this is the best sales book ever. For audio listeners only, what's the title of that book? Green Eggs and Ham by Dr. Seuss. Why is the best sales book in the planet? Man, he had this product that he was telling his prospect about. And he knew the he knew the prospect was actually going to like it. Like he was serving, he was helping it. So just you just got to try it. All you got to do is try it. And over and over again, he heard no, but he kept a great attitude. Now my favorite part about this book about green eggs and ham, if you look at the pages, and I dissected this because this is a book my mom probably read to me a thousand times. But when you look through it, even when he's getting told no, there's like this this shouting, like the the lines, you know, of Doctor Seuss writing, like shouting, and he's got this little smile on his face. He's just like, yeah, you can tell me no all day long. It doesn't matter right? I'm going to stick with you because I think this would be best. And once you try it, and what does it say at the end of the book? Thank you. Thank you. Sam, I am, right? I do so like green eggs in him. I love it. Um, there's a couple of people I know you share a little bit of a, a behavior quality with. That behavior quality of a little bit of like fearlessness on doing new things because you know from a lot of experience that any new thing can be learned through enough failure and failure doesn't mean bad. And, uh, you know, in college, uh, one of your, your claims to fame was uh, not playing one, not two, but 12 sports. Now, how many, how many did you actually play? Four sports. Yeah, so four sports. That's, I mean, it's abnormal on a lot of levels to do that. One from a time commitment level in school, uh, but another because generally um, people don't transition their ability from one sport to another. What gave you the ability? It's just not quitting, like never quitting on a play, never quitting on your teammates right? Not quitting whenever times get tough, because they do, and never stopping believing. I, I uh, Volleyball was one of the sports that I played in college, and I know you like to bring it up in a, oh, is it a real sport kind of way? I'm going to do It's a real sport. It's a real sport. Um, no. I know it is. But my senior year, right, of high school, I, I, I was just volleyball just broke out. It was something that I was probably the best suited for just athletically and everything else as I was figuring that out. And my freshman year of college, it was, we were not where we needed to be, even 60% through the season. Like we were actually, we had a massive losing record and it was just something coach just poured into us about just not quitting, not giving up. And we we're national champions. We're national champions. We kept saying that stuff to each other. And it was kind of cool that we ended up winning. We went on a ridiculous winning streak. We couldn't stop winning and we just came together and peaked at the right time. And we've all seen that in sports. And that's something that I love. I love the underdog. I used to, in order for me to get better, like whenever there's a pickup basketball game or like just a little three three on three soccer thing or whatever when I was growing up, I used to want to take the players that were smaller than everyone else and that nobody thought that could win because that was one, you're helping them get a taste of winning and two, makes you better. Like you have to stretch yourself. So man, it shows up right there too. Like just don't quit and believe, just don't stop. Believe it, right? And sing the song. Sing the song. It's a true statement. And sports gives you a chance to practice it. I mean, how many times, what, what are the stories we're talking about? We're not talking about the team that was ahead by 20, that won by 10. We're talking about the team that was down by 20, that ended up winning by two. That's the stuff people are circulating all the dang time. And I love that. You know, sales is, sales is just that. Just don't give up on it. Don't, don't stop going to the next dang door. Don't you know, don't pick up the second you don't pick up the phone. That's when you've lost. 
there's just such a correlation, I mean, in sports and, and sales, because there is the perception of winning and losing things, right? There's a competition, there's having to learn how to deal with failure and what it means about you and being about something other than just you when you're part of a team. And so that all kind of comes back to the servant principle, um, which I really love. And one last principle that that reminded me of is an acronym that you've become famous for, which is a woodfly. 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 How do you spell it? And what does it stand for? W-I-D-F-L-I. Woodfly is, it's simply put, uh, when you don't feel like it. When you don't feel like it. None of us feel like working out. I don't feel like, you know, making things right that that I wronged. I, I don't feel like knocking on the next door. I don't feel like um, doing the stuff that I need to do in my marriage. So it's like, it's just this wood fly. It's just, it rolls off the tongue so perfectly. Wood fly. Great reminder. It, it's about doing the things you don't want to do when you don't feel like it. And mm-hmm. so that's something that, um, yeah, man, I want it to be all around me. Every time I see it, it's like, remember, that's, that's what life is about, about doing things you don't want to do. Wood fly. Say it fly. again. Say it again. It's so good. The other question that I wanted to ask you is about the transformation that took place when you um, had your first kiddo. How has being a dad transformed your perspective on being a servant? Gosh, man. Um, now, of course, transformation happens when you get married, right? I mean, you know that. Like, it's like, it's, it's a, now it's somebody, truly, you get to actually practice this stuff, Dave, when it really matters, right? Like when you get married and then when you have a kid, it's it's given up all your dignity sometimes and all the all the selfishness that you have. And, and it's like, it's especially with the first one, I don't know if you noticed this, but you want to hold on to your routines and hold on to the way that you do things and your selfishness and you you set up life so that you can. And then whenever you do it, trying to live the way that you were before it, it's not as good. It's not as good. I, uh, you know, we have three kids now. God, three kids. And th- that's whenever I'm most fulfilled, whenever I'm actually thinking of their needs in acting out, doing something about what I think they want. Whenever I don't, there's like this same, same incongruency that we were talking about earlier, right? In the, in the episode, it's like, you are fulfilled. You are wanting more for them. And it gets addictive. Like same thing about doing sales the right way. Like whenever you're truly thinking about that other person and that's where you're targeting your questions and um, wanting to, you know, un- unlock this and figure this out so that you can solve this problem for them. It's uh, it's a great place to practice is right at home. And the best place to practice it is when your kids get home from school is whenever you don't want, you want to just play on your phone. You know, you do, right? It's so much easier. <laughs> just, but then like, no, let me put this away. Let me focus on them. And they know, man, just like I think your prospect knows when you're truly servant selling, they know when you're focused on them and they know when you're not. Yeah. If you're saying yes to one thing, you're saying no to the other. If you're saying no to something, you're saying yes to another. And it's like, if you're saying yes to that stuff, you're saying no to your kids. And it's such a good practice for being a servant salesperson is what you do inside your own, in your own, your own house with your kiddos. I mean, Dawson, uh, he was having a tough morning on Monday. And my wife says this a lot to me, connection over efficiency, Dave. Mm-hmm. Connections first, then efficiency, not the other way around. Like I'm trying to get them out of the house for to get to school, right? Efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. Put your clothes on, brush your teeth, you know, drink this, take your vitamins. Where he just needed somebody to sit in how he was feeling with him. Mm-hmm. And I I completely missed it. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to connect with my son. That's what he needed. 
and it sucked. And then I apologized to him the night after. And Emmy's like, just it's the same thing I tell you, Dave, connection over efficiency, which I am an insanely efficient human being. And that is my, that's probably my biggest motivation. And it's interrupting that pattern and putting connection first. That's great. A lot of people can relate to that. One of the other things is leadership. But I was curious if you could share um, what servant selling has to do with servant leadership and how the two might be connected. Whenever you're putting the needs of your prospects first, as a servant salesperson, leadership, you're putting their goals, your people's dreams ahead of your own. And not that to say you can't achieve your dreams, like it's, it's the fun Zig Ziglar quote of helping enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want kind of a thing. But with leadership, I think it's, um, it's getting to know them, what they really want. I love that. I had a leader a long time ago that drove me by my elementary school. He was trying to recruit me and he flew to my hometown and drove me by my elementary school and said, what are the three things that come to your mind whenever you are here sitting in this parking lot, like my elementary school? And I thought that was amazing. I thought it was, it was brilliant. And wasn't about him getting me to work for him or, or getting me to perform for him. It was about like really wanting to know what made me tick and like these, these anchors, these relationship anchors. And that's what I think servant leaders are so good at is they have foundational stories and foundational experiences with every one of their people. I love it. Yeah. Servant leadership is having those relationship anchors and then trying to find more, like creating more experiences because you always have to call your people out on certain things. And you always have to, you're, you're not, most of the conversations, if they are conversations that are going to transform people, they aren't the funnest. They're not the things that you want to be talking about, right? It's like wood fly. God, I don't want to talk about this one. I'd much rather just hang out. But that's sometimes you need to do that. You got to have these, I call them credibility deposits, especially in leadership with every one of your people. So I'm saying I've noticed that you do very well with credibility deposits, even with people who are not actually on your team. And to me, this is almost a, a really great example of this, where you spend time with intention with a lot of people that you don't work with yet, where you, you schedule a routine and it's to develop that relationship without thinking of necessarily a return as a way to educate people about what we're about. And the byproduct may or may not be them coming to, to partner and work with you, right? Yes. But... I'm never going to quit on them, even if it's 20 years down the road. So mm. eventually they will come home. And if I got to talk to them for 50 years, I will. And the key to all those conversations is just keep being valuable, mm. just being valuable. And I'm not saying I'm sticking with them for 50 years or 20 years because I, I want to work with them one day. Do I? Absolutely. I absolutely want to work with them one day. But the other part of that is it's a great place to create relationships. I think so many adults, they don't know how to create relationships. They don't mm -hmm. know how to, you know, they, they're hanging out with their, their best friend from third grade because they, their names were both B's in alphabetical order. So they end up sitting next to each other. And because of this random that they're best friends, like, like you choose, you get to choose the people you want to do life with. And whenever you have a true relationship with them, however long it takes, three months, three years, 30 years, now we're building something beautiful and you have true friends later on in life that you look forward to doing life with. So yeah, man, I mean, all the time. I, I love that. And I'll, I won't quit on anybody until they tell me blatantly. I've had some people say, Dave, I don't want to talk to you again. And I just want to keep showing it up and being valuable. And if they say that, it's like, sweet. All right. This was fun. And that's it. 
Well, while we've spent a lot of time here talking about mindset and perspective and persistence, the book is actually quite technical as well, where you give a lot of context to what does servant selling look like in different parts of the sales cycle? How do you actually apply this in the field? So, you know, in, in summary, is there one thing that you feel if someone were to be relatively maybe new to sales or not necessarily new to sales, but not uh, performing exactly where they want to perform would be one technical thing that you might share as a, a good starting point. Yeah. I mean, again, there's, you know, 50, 60 techniques and ideas in the book to, to help, help you <laughs> break out and be great, whether you're great right now and you want to be greater or just figuring this thing out and want to, you know, be a top producer. But it's the one that I figured out whenever I was going door to door that is you have to ask for the business. Even if you are so far off in your presentation from them becoming a client, and you've heard me talk about it, and I talk about it, it's striking out. It's the strikeout principle, right? I didn't play baseball. It was one of the few sports I didn't play, but I get it. And whenever you swing at the ball, whenever somebody pitches it to you, and those even that don't, don't play sports, you hopefully have enough knowledge of baseball. When you swing at it and you get a third strike, you gotta, you're out, right? You don't, get to, you, won't, you don't get to bat anymore. That's fine. You at least tried. You swung the bat. You gave yourself a chance to hit the ball. But whenever you strike out looking and the ball flies past and the umpire goes, you're out and you got to walk back. That is what so many sales look like. So many sales presentations never have a close. They never have, well, do you want to get together? Do you want to um, do, do you want to do this? Even if like, yeah, do you, even as horrible of a close as sounds like this, do you want to buy it? Still doing that in swinging the bat is 10 times better than walking away from that conversation going, man, yeah, she was an into it or he was an into it or that family this or that, or, you know, and I couldn't sign up that group or well, just ask. I mean, I've had some of the worst presentations ever in my life going down and not working. And I was like, well, so when do you want me to come out and work with your team? But you want to do it this week or next week? And like, it's just blown away. Most of the time it's like, no, you idiot. We're not doing this. But there have been times where it's like, yeah, can you just teach my team just to do what you just did. Whenever I was not interested, you just still close. Just sure. Come out and do that. I learned that whenever I was knocking on doors, um, I'd run into people who didn't have kids. We sold kids products, right? Books and study guides and software and all this stuff. But everybody knows a kid. Everybody's got some kind of kids, nieces, nephews, somebody at the church, they know, whatever. And I'd be like, well, who do you want to buy them for? You know, you want to get them for this group or that group? I mean, everybody's getting something to help some of the kids out in their life. Like, so would you want to do this? You want to do that? And most of the time they'd say no. But sometimes, and I actually got to be pretty good at it selling this product to families without kids got to be really, really good at it by just asking every time, every time. The positive expectation that you go into it with and, and also realizing it's not your job to say no for them. It's your job to, to give them the opportunity. Yeah. And to do that from a place of service and saying, hey, I, I believe in what I'm doing and what we have and someone needs this. It's congruent with why you called them. It's congruent with the conversation that you're having. If you don't, then what the heck are you doing there? Just blows me away. You walk away from that psychologically confirmed in what you're doing when you ask and your prospect tells you no, which confirms them. It's honoring the person on the other side of the interaction by asking. Awesome. Lightning round. Love lightning round. What are some of the tools that you would share with the audience that you are using right now? One of my biggest tools is self-talk. The phrase, I have all the time in the world is one of the best time management strategies on the planet. 
I really do have all the time in the world. Every human does. And by saying that over and over again, people, one, their guard goes down. And two, you feel better about your life. You actually feel like you can get to everything and you have all the time in the world. So that's one of them big time is just the self-talk around that. I think it, I think it is truly a tool that is underutilized in this real world. People just want to talk about how busy they are and how much time they don't have and what they need to get to. It's like, it's cute. Personal health. Like what, what are just like one thing that you do, like personal health that's somewhat unique to you that you use to stay on top of your game? <laughs> I drink apple cider vinegar every day. It sucks. Who likes drinking vinegar? I hate it, but I do it because it's really freaking hard. And it has done so good for my body over time. Like it's crazy, even just the checkups and things that I've learned and more I learn about it. So that, and then I do something physical every day, even if it's 10 pushups during a commercial, whenever the, you know, we're watching a game or something. So it's doing something every day. It's usually stretching or just got a Peloton recently. It, it's, and that really helps because it's something to do, but doing something physical every single day. Got it. What about the, uh, the not eating? Oh, the fasting. 10 years, starting January 2020, I committed to do a fast for 100 hours every first week of every quarter for, uh, for 10 years. It's one of my biggest life statements is to do what's hard. First week of every quarter, you go from, you know, Saturday night to Thursday morning and you don't eat anything. It's kind of awesome. Yeah. I'm going to take one step in that direction by just not eating pasta every day of the week. And oh, we'll, good. Yeah. Or seeing, avoiding Brussels sprouts for uh, 40 days. Yeah, that's cute. Most embarrassing moment in the last year or in the last month. <laughs> embarrassing moment or calling your wife right now i mean just recently you know how i send those recap emails to leaders adam yeah i sent the recap email to the person and so i put their leaders on it and i put person who i was writing about and i was like you freaking idiot yeah transparency why should everybody get a coach you can't become the best version of yourself by yourself you actually want to grow and be better Doing it on your own never will. It's everything. You you do it subconsciously. You ask for it with your friends, with your family. Everybody does it. Everybody searches for accountability because they know it works every dang time. So just pay attention to yourself and what your body actually needs so that you can be good and great and peaceful and fulfilled and less stressed and fill in the blank with whatever you know solution you want. Servant Selling. Thank you so much, Dave, for sharing a little bit about your book. If someone wants to find your book, they can just type in Dave Brown Servant Selling and purchase 500 copies that way for both themselves and their friends, right? You pay 5,000? 5,000. There you go. Very well said. Thanks again for, for being on here, Dave. Absolutely, Adam. Thanks for having me. And you can tell everybody those glasses actually aren't real, that you just have them to look smart. You can tell everybody. Yeah. yeah. Well, we all have to improve our confidence somehow. Amen. Love you, Adam. Me too. See you, buddy. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. And to stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and on Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. And thanks for listening. Are you ready to take your sales skills to new heights? From elite-level sales and leadership coach Dave Brown comes Servant Selling, the groundbreaking book that will revolutionize your approach to sales. How do you view yourself as a salesperson? Do you feel like you're talking people into things? Are you afraid of seeming manipulative? Do you worry you're bothering your customers? 
It doesn't have to be this way. Servant selling is the way to closing more deals and having greater satisfaction doing it. I want it to be a different way of selling, to sell with your prospects' needs and their wants and desires first. It's honoring the person on the other side of the interaction. In servant selling, learn the value of vision, the science of your approach, and how to build rapport and identify needs quickly. Servant selling isn't a mental trick, a closing technique, or a negotiation strategy. It's a better, honest, proven sales approach that will have you closing more deals by giving your customers exactly what they need. You want to see where people really come alive, just ask them what they're passionate about. That's when you're doing it the right way. That's whenever I'm most fulfilled. Whenever I'm actually thinking of their needs, you are fulfilled. You are wanting more for them. And it gets addictive. Dave Brown has trained hundreds of thousands of sales professionals across the globe by adopting the servant selling mindset. Put it to work for you. Whenever you're truly thinking about that other person, now we're building something beautiful. Learn more and order today at ServantSelling.com.